Our reading tonight is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Word of God for the people of God. Ah, good evening. Y'all doing well? Good. My name is Markham. I serve as the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse Community Church. It's a joy to be with you tonight. Uh, in the event that you didn't hear Gary, we're going to find ourselves in Isaiah. That's in the Old Testament, Isaiah 9. We're looking at one verse tonight, and that is verse 6. So as you open or load or consider the Holy Scriptures, uh, let me just begin by saying it's a joy to be here. I love that y'all are here. This looks way different than it did last year and then two years ago, and for that, I am thankful. If you're new, we'd love to connect. We'd love to hang out and take you out, even on Christmas Eve. That's how we do it. But nevertheless, it is Christmas Eve, and if you are a Valley native, then you know that we do not celebrate Christmas on the 25th. We celebrate it tonight. Christmas Day is merely a day off. It is a day of leftovers and sleeping in. And if you don't do Christmas that way, then uh, lovingly you're doing it wrong, okay? But for a moment, could we be a little bit reflective? Could we be honest? As the year is coming to a close, and as we look back to this time last year, if you were anything like me, then you may have had a splash of belief in thinking that the chaos of 2020 had finally come to an end. It seemed as though new year and new me was finally obtainable. However, as we inch our way to the closing of this year, and as we celebrate Christmas Eve, I must admit that there is both anticipation for what is coming next, but uh, if I'm honest, a little anxiety. No one has been immune to the effects of this year and last. In fact, earlier as we gathered uh, our team in the back and we were considering tonight, one of the comments I med made was that I couldn't even remember what we did last year for Christmas Eve. And even though we find ourselves in Isaiah 9 this evening, I want to read to you briefly, it's only one verse, the end of Isaiah 8. This is what God says through the prophet. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust thick into thick darkness. How many of you, I don't want to see your hands. How many of you have felt like it has been a season of distress and darkness? You see, nights like tonight serve not only as a celebration of Christmas and family and friendships, but for many it's also a time, once more if we're honest, to forget. Even if it's for a moment. To be fully invested in the now in the hopes of putting off 
everything else, even if it is for a moment. However, on a night like tonight, the Bible teaches that we are not left to wander without hope. You see, all of history is centered around the birth of a child, the arrival of a Savior. All of history before Him and all of history afterward is centered around God entering into human history as the man, Jesus Christ. We would call this the incarnation. That is, God in the flesh. He entered into our world. He lived in our mess, walked the life that we could not live, and died a death that we deserve in our place and for our sin so that we might be reconciled to God through Him. In short, Christmas is all about the story and glory of Jesus Christ. And the hope in the midst of distress and uncertainty is the grace of the Lord Jesus for you. So, let me pray, and then we will consider our text tonight. Father God, tonight we begin by thanking you for your faithfulness. Tonight looks so different than it did two years ago, and for that we are forever grateful to you. Tonight, Holy Spirit, would you draw us toward Jesus as we examine your word? Would you draw us to the beauty and splendor of Christ? Tonight, may our heart and mind consider the hope and grace offered and given to us through Jesus. We love you. We praise you. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. I want you to consider two things as we look at this verse. Gary always does a wonderful job reading uh, Scripture. I'd like to reread it once more. I know some of you just walked in. This is one verse. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. I want to pause for a minute. I want you to consider two things tonight. I want you to consider hope and grace. See, the Bible's teaching on hope is something different from the way you and I would view it. In fact, it is different from the way in which you and I speak about hope today. When you and I speak about hope, we actually mean that we're talking about wishful thinking. We hope the carne asada is good tonight. We hope our primos get along tonight. We hope that it gets cold one day on Christmas in the valley one day. It's wishful thinking. However, when looking at the pages of the Holy Scriptures, hope is something factual. That is, it is not wishful thinking. Hope is certainty with anticipation. You see, the prophet Isaiah wrote this book more than 500 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus. And when he prophesied over the coming of the Messiah, he did so with confident anticipation. It is not on the screen, but listen to the beginning of this chapter. Isaiah writes, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
He writes that in the present tense. He writes it as if it has already happened in his day. He writes with confident anticipation. Friends, the hope that the prophet Isaiah writes about comes to fruition. It comes to fruition in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You can hold on to hope tonight. You can have hope through the incarnation of this Savior. Secondly, I want you to consider the grace of the Lord Jesus. See, grace is the word for unmerited favor. Better yet, undeserving favor towards sinners. You see, when God became man, grace and hope were married, and because this Savior would bestow or give or pour out this unmerited favor toward people who would ultimately reject him, there is grace in that beauty. Because even now, present tense, not just our day, present tense, as you and I sit here at 6.21 p.m., God's grace is being poured out before you through Jesus. The coming of this grace is still in existence today. The coming of this grace through the birth of Jesus, check it, is the answer to our deepest need. Say that one more time. The coming of God's grace through the birth of Jesus is the answer to our deepest need. When you and I for a moment consider hope and grace, and as we reflect on Isaiah 9-6, the question is, who was this hope and grace for? Let's look at the verse one more time. He writes, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The hope that you've been searching for, the grace that you thought that would not be poured out onto you any longer has come in and through the Lord Jesus Christ for you. Therefore, you can have hope in Jesus tonight. You can receive grace through Jesus tonight. Finally, let us consider the names that this child, that is Jesus, would hold. Isaiah writes that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I'd like to look at each one in brevity. As a Wonderful Counselor, I should say, as the Wonderful Counselor, what Isaiah means is that Jesus will and does surpass all human understanding, all human counsel, all human wisdom. And as a result, Jesus is the one who is able to meet us where we are with his grace. He is able to counsel. He is able to sympathize with you. He is able to comfort you. Particularly when you and I consider his sympathy towards us and you consider his earthly ministry, you and I technically, if you think about it, don't really understand temptation because you and I give in to temptation daily. Jesus is the only one who has not, never given in to temptation, and yet Scripture says that he sympathizes with us. He gets it. He is wonderful counselor. 
as mighty God, Jesus would be the only one as fully God and fully man who could actually live a sinless life before us. He's the only one who could satisfy the wrath of God on our behalf by bearing the penalty of sin in our place. In short, Jesus is the only one who can save us. As everlasting Father, Jesus is the one who pursues us like a father. Not that he is God the Father, but like a father, he pursues us and he demonstrates and shows us compassion. That he not only sees the need, he not only feels the need, he actually meets your deepest need. That is what it means to have compassion. Jesus is the one that shows you mercy by not giving you what you deserve. Jesus is the one that demonstrates grace by giving you what you don't deserve. Jesus is the one who ultimately protects us by his spirit. And finally, as Prince of Peace, Jesus is ultimately and fully sovereign and ruler over all things. That title prince, that's what it gives way to. It is a kingly title, one of sovereignty, one of rulership. Isaiah comments that, that this child, he will have, quote, the government on his shoulder. And if you think that is solely the United States government, then friends, you are nearsighted and limited. The word government implies and pertains to the entire world. So let me encourage you in knowing that though things may seem cryptic and chaotic at times, the Lord Jesus is not unaware. He is not oblivious, nor is He surprised. He sovereignly rules over all things in heaven and on earth. Additionally, I want you to consider the word peace. That's one of the titles, Prince of Peace. The Bible speaks of peace objectively. Also, not like wishful thinking. Also, not in hopes of something that we hope to obtain. We wishfully seek to obtain. The Bible speaks of peace objectively. That is, Jesus is the only one who can bring peace between us and God. Jesus is the only one capable of reconciling us to the Father through His life, death, and resurrection. You see, apart from Jesus, the Bible teaches that we are wandering without hope, that we are alienated from God, that we are estranged and at war with God. And as a result of Jesus' work, He provides a way through Him to not only be renewed by His grace, but to be reconciled with God. That is what it means to be at peace with God. The names, that, the names of Jesus that Isaiah provides are not simply titles, but promises to you. Isaiah looks with hope toward the first advent of Christ. You and I celebrate the grace of his first advent. And we rest in the hope and arrival 
of his second advent. You being here is not random. Random is not a thing for God. It would be contrary to his character. You being here is providential. That is, the invisible hand at work, the invisible hand of God at work in and around your life. You being here is providential. God knew and knows exactly what we need. God knows our deepest need, and in Christ, he meets that need. The promise of this child dates all the way back to the Garden of Eden as God promised that one would come one day and restore and make all things new. Jesus is in the business of restoration. Jesus is in the business of mending hearts. Jesus is in the business of peace. Jesus is in the business of redemption. You don't need a new year. You don't need a new gym membership. You need a new Savior, and His name is Jesus. And by His grace, He has come and offers you the gift of salvation to any and all who would turn away from their sin and toward Him placing their trust in Him, surrendering to His Lordship. For a moment, consider author and theologian D.A. Carson. Here's what he writes. If God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, He would have sent an economist. If He had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, He would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, He would have sent us a politician. If He had perceived that our greatest need was health, He would have sent us a doctor. But He perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from Him, our profound rebellion, our death, and He sent us a Savior. Tonight, consider the hope and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we close, Christian, your deepest need has been met in Christ. The question is, have you forgotten that this year? Tonight is a celebration of God's work for you in Christ. You have been made new. Have you turned away today, this week, this month? Have you turned away? Look to Jesus. Remember that His grace for you, listen to me on this, His grace for you was not a mistake, but a gift to redeem you for Himself. Man, so if there is sin, man, I invite you to confess that. I invite you to repent and experience God's grace for you. He meets you where you are. Repentance is not simply a gift. It is a grace. And if you're visiting and if you don't know Jesus, I'm thankful that you chose to hang out with us tonight. And I love you and I want the best for you. Therefore, the best I can give is Jesus. You see, apart from Him, you are at war with God. You are in rebellion against God. And you are not in right standing with God. But the hope is that through the birth of this Jesus, of this Christ, 
God made a way for you to be reconciled to him through him. So I invite you to repent. I invite you to turn away from your sin and turn toward Jesus. People would ask, that means my problems go away. No, it means you get a new heart. Church, in the hope, the hope in the midst of distress and uncertainty is the grace of the Lord Jesus for you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Jesus. There's been times where hope has seemed like a fairy tale. But on nights like tonight, we are reminded that hope is real and that hope has come. There have been times where grace has felt like a pipe dream. But on nights like tonight, we are reminded that grace has come. In Christ, both hope and grace have come. And so, Father, would you forgive our sin? Would you forgive our shortcomings, our forgetfulness? May you breathe the gift of hope and grace into our weary bones through the gift of your word and through the beauty of Jesus. May we be a people that drink from the well of your grace. Passionately and desperately, may we cling to Jesus even as we celebrate loudly tonight in the valley. May the meditation of our heart and the words of our mouth be pleasing to you this evening. We ask this in his precious name. Amen.